This is The Blunt Doctor Show on a Saturday night, and it is an exciting Saturday night because this is an emergency Blunt Doctor Show. I had been planning to do an episode talking about a few things I'd seen going on in the NBA, just some basic trend stuff, but fucking scrap it because Matthew Stafford has been traded to the Rams for two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff. And I am just diving right into this episode because I cannot even contain my shock and excitement and just general jovial attitude towards this whole situation. I love it. I love this trade. I love trades in general. We all love trades. I think that Zach Lowe is right that we've reached a point in culture where you know the actual transactional nature of sports has almost become more exciting than sports themselves and the thing is transactions allow you to theorize right you can think about what may be and then in the actuality a lot of what you think things may be comes crashing down and it hurts so sometimes it's just fun to sit back and think about what the possibilities could be for any given situation and i think that's why we've become so transactional and why we love trades and free agency and all of these things so much so it is what it is but nonetheless I, you know my phone lit up with a notification I saw this trade and I was like oh hell yeah it's time to talk about this one because this is a trade where there's a lot to it there are so many different angles to it there's a lot to think about there's and there's going to be over the coming days new angles and new thoughts on it but um I think it's it's really interesting just given, you know, we know the whole Jared Goff situation from Super Bowl, you know, first really from a guy who looked like a bust to then playing in a Super Bowl, but not well, to, uh, you know, then, you know, playing injured this season. And then the Rams were kind of like, well, oh, oh you know, and um, he was good, but we don't know. And <laughs> I mean, man. I don't even like this is the thing like I'm a little I'm a little frazzled at the moment I don't even have a lot of clear-cut words right now because this is just something that I did not see coming like if you listen to the previous episodes I've been talking about teams that I thought were you know possible or interesting for Stafford and the Rams never even crossed my mind because I just didn't think that there would be any scenario where you know, the Rams were going to move on from Goff, right, as that mega contract kicks in. And, you know, I think that we're seeing right now is that teams are starting to kind of, they're, they're starting to not give a fuck a little bit. Like, here's the thing. These owners, especially Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, is a billionaire, like an ultra billionaire. He can spend as much money as he wants. And when teams were talking about, well, there's no way that, you know, the Packers can trade Aaron Rodgers because of, you know, his potential cap hit. Well, Pro Football Talk pointed out it's just a cap hit. It doesn't actually really change their financial situation with Rodgers. It kills their cap for one year. But if you're moving on from Aaron Rodgers, you're not winning the Super Bowl anyway, so whatever. So I think we're seeing now that teams are just going to be willing to make these mega deals because why the fuck not? The thing is, is that no matter what you do in any scenario, basically anything you do is forgiven if you win a Super Bowl. Like... Even when you sign questionable players, even when you make questionable trades, even when you sign a coach that no one likes, even when your owner is an asshole, all of those things pretty much go away with Super Bowl rings. You know, this culture is so obsessed with championships and Americans are so obsessed with American pro football that, and, and college football that just truthfully, you let a lot of things go. We all do it. I'm guilt, I'm as guilty of it as anyone. And we let a lot of things go in terms of, winning rings it's just is more you know it's like yeah yeah but we still we got the ring and it was the other guys and you know you can just overlook it and you're not gonna let one negative person you know drown out the accomplishments of other people and that's essentially what it is we've just been willing to overlook it and now we've reached a point you know if we're gonna overlook these questionable things about the character or decisions people make well fuck it let's just spend money let's overlook the money if we can find a way to make the deal work and I don't know exactly the machinations of this deal in terms of, you know, all the financials. I'm sure that those those numbers will come out. Maybe there were extensions and restructures. Maybe the trade was executed quickly because, it, you know, as a pre-June trade, there's some, you know, difference in the contracts because it's still on this league year, because it's still before March. 
you know, I, I don't know. There's there's a whole lot of machinations to the NFL cap, and um, there are a lot of people who will talk about that in the coming days. But essentially, it just seems like, as it should be, owners are saying, fuck it, let's go for it. Let's spend the money. Let's make the moves. Because you have limited windows in this league. In the NFL, things change like that. Everything changes so quickly. You are not, you know, it's not like the NBA where with the way the contracts work and the way that guys play together, you know, some teams build cores that last eight, 10 years. And, you know, sure, that happens a little bit in the NFL. And I'm not saying those things never happen, but and it's not like they happen all the time in the NBA. But, you know, guys are often going places in the NBA to play together, at least for an extended period of time, right? Four or five seasons, that sort of thing. And in the NFL, things just change so quickly. There's so much one-year prove-it deals. And, you know, this guy didn't have a good year, so I'm going to try to cut him and change his cap number. And everything just changes so quickly that you have a limited time. You've got to strike while the iron's hot. And the thing is, the Rams have continued to do that. Um... You know, they just continue to fire. They they will fire every single bullet they have to try to win the last game of the season. And as Pete Rogers said, a guy I follow on Twitter, at Pete M. Rogers, he does badass uniform designs. Check out some of his some of his stuff. He's also a really smart fantasy football guy. But anyway, as the point he made, you know, this Rams whole thing about just basically fuck it. Who cares about first-round picks? We don't need them. Just trade them. It's worked out pretty well for them. I've criticized them for it. I criticized them hard for it coming into this season. But again, they were a pretty successful team. And it, he he makes the point. Pete does that. You know, they don't. They've they've been one of the few teams that has been able to be successful without those first-round picks, without making those selections, just trading them away and acquiring players. And here's something that actually Field Yates tweeted. And this is this is crazy. So this is, he says, this is the Rams' first round picks by year. 2016, it was Jared Goff. 2017, none. 2018, none. 2019, none. 2020, none. And now with this, this year, 2021, none. And then this trade, 2022, none. 2023, none. Like, they have now not picked a first rounder for this is the seventh, this, this will be seven straight years after the 2023 draft, assuming they don't trade away any more first round picks. This first, this trade overall, the whole, the the entire scope of the trade, according to Tom Pelissero, is the Lions get Jared Goff, a third round pick in 2021, the first round pick in 2022, and the first round pick in 2023, and then the Rams get Stafford. That's it. And it's 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 amazing again, but the Rams are just saying we're going to go all in, we're going to go all in, we're going to go all in because they just only care about winning. A ring. They just want to win one championship and it will, you know, it will solidify their new stadium and their move back to Los Angeles and it will bring them legions of new fans and it will, it will just do everything for their branding. And, you know, suddenly they can, you know, talk about being a recent championship team, you know, with the Lakers and the Dodgers. And they can talk about, you know, we're the Kings of LA, despite the fact that, you know, the Chargers are there too, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just, there's a lot of good things that happen for the Rams if they can get over the top, even if it means they'll be, you know, stuck in cap hell for years after that. I mean, look at the Saints. The Saints historically, the Saints are in cap hell every single season because they keep paying Drew Brees whatever contract he wants. And because they simply just, don't care. They're trying to win it all every year. And, you know, that's not necessarily the smartest thing to do. The Patriots are never in cap hell and they've won many Super Bowls, but they also had Tom Brady. Look at, you know, what the super smart Patriots did this year without him. The Bucks, on the other hand, signed Tom Brady and did everything else they could to put guys around him and look where they are. So, you know, we're definitely seeing now that if you want to win a Super Bowl in the NFL, if you want to get to the next level, there is a shortcut. And that shortcut is fucking do every single thing that you can. Make every move. You know, get to that, you know, get to those crazy trades and, you know, that you can acquire star talent, but you're maybe giving up too much and do it. And we'll talk in a moment about, is this trade good? What does this mean for, you know, we'll go over for both teams. But just my point in general about the NFL is that we've reached a point where it's just like everyone's going for it now. And the thing about the NFL is that in any given season, 
you can be so much better than people would anticipate. In basketball, we generally know which teams are going to be good and which teams are going to be bad. And there are surprises, right? You know, some teams overachieve, some teams underachieve. But, you know, LeBron James is never going to be on a team that suddenly wins 15 games. That's never going to happen no matter what. And that's the difference. You can have a superstar player in the NFL. You could have a superstar quarterback and still win four games. That does happen. You could have a bad quarterback and win 12 games. You know, there are just, there's so much variance in the NFL because of how many people are involved from, you know, roster construction perspective to the actual number of players on the roster to the number of coaches. There's so much variance. There's so much changeover in coaches from year to year that, you never really know going into a season what it's going to be. That's why my record of picking like 19, I pick like 19 or 20 over-unders, correct, on season over-unders this year. I'm a badass. That's why that was really fucking impressive. Anyway, you never know who's really going to be good, but you can increase your chances of being good by going all out. And every additional move you make is one more chance. Because the thing is, is that the, the team you start with in the football season you know, it may be different. You know, you could have injuries. You know, guys may not perform. Other guys may step up. You might make trades. Like a football season in week one, a football team in week one is not the same football team in week 16. It just doesn't, it's not, it's not the same. You make a lot of moves. You know, a young guy steps up, an older guy steps up, a young guy doesn't perform, and a guy who's slightly older but is still 28. You know, you just, you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. So many, there's so much variance. And so as many, you know, rounds as you can put in the chamber as many bullets as you can fire whatever non-violent you know version of that i can come up with as many shots as you can take um as many you know as much variance as you can have in your portfolio you want to do that and the rams are you know just continuing to say that you know you know we don't give a shit and we're going to keep going for it and i've criticized less need for doing that but i'm going to give him a pass here even though i don't know if this trade was necessarily a smart trade in the past they like gave jared goff all the money because he went to a super bowl or they like traded a, a ton for jalen ramsey and that you know that really did work out this season um or they signed aaron donald to the biggest contract and again that has worked out well aaron donald's phenomenal but you know they did all these things while not necessarily having established a true franchise quarterback. Like, you know, you give Goff this money, but everyone acknowledges that everything that goes on is based on how Sean McVay reads the defense, right? Like, we all remember the story about how Sean McVay famously went on the air before the Super Bowl against the Patriots and explained that he told he tells Jared Goff what he sees with the defense right up until the quarterback microphone, you know, the coach quarterback microphone cuts off and then... You know, Jared Goff runs the play. Well, Bill Belichick heard that and they adjusted all their defense after that with, you know, the 12 seconds remaining in the, the play clock or whatever. And, uh, you know, it completely befuddled Jared Goff. And there you go. And, you know, the Rams have now gotten out from under that. And that's good. But, you know, giving him the extension before you had to because you're worried that he might be so good that you, you know, you don't need to do these things. And. You know, a lot of these teams, you make panic moves and panic decisions that kill your franchise forever. I don't think this is going to be one of those moves. And the reason is that even though Matt Stafford is older, like Matt Stafford has always been really good. Matt Stafford has always been really good. And he has at times had a good team around him, at times had a bad team around him. He's never really had a phenomenal coaching staff. He's had good coaching staffs. I don't I don't think the Lions offense has ever been particularly innovative, but now he's going to a team with innovation with a coach who definitely is innovative, who's got a lot of talent around him that are going to do everything they can to invest in you know protecting him and giving him weapons and you know they're just do by doing this they're proving that they're going to do every single thing that they can to win. And when you're Doing that by acquiring a quarterback and then putting guys around him, that's just the smartest way to do this. And the Rams were doing it backwards before. They were, well, we'll just, we're going to find a way to develop a quarterback, and but we'll be so good everywhere else that it'll be fine. And they're trying to go the Russell Wilson Seahawks route, but Russell Wilson is, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if he's a generational talent, but he's leaps and bounds more talented than Jared Goff ever was. So, just because you have a quarterback on a rookie contract doesn't mean 
that he is a Super Bowl contender or a Super Bowl quarterback. And just because you're paying for every position when you don't have the number one position resolved, it doesn't mean you can just solve that problem. And so I give them kudos for recognizing the mistake they made with Jared Goff. And even though, I mean, they paid a lot. I mean, two first-round picks and a third-round pick. I mean, that's a lot, but you also have to recognize they're getting away from Jared Goff. So, like, if you look at, like, if you look at this as, okay, we are trading a third-round pick to get rid of Jared Goff, and then we are trading two first-round picks to get Matthew Stafford. I think that is how you look at this from the Rams' perspective, because, Some people are going to say, oh, you're giving up a former top pick and two first round picks and a third rounder. But the simple fact of the matter is like they would have had to like incentivize someone to take Jared Goff from them. So another way that you could look at this is that they had to pay a first round pick to get rid of Goff and they only had to pay a first and a third for Stafford. You could look at it that way, too. And, you know, in the macro, though, I think the trade is fine. However you want to dice it up, maybe it's not. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that with Matt Stafford on board, those first round picks go to the back of the first round. And the simple fact of the matter is that a back of the first round NFL pick could be a very good player, but a top of the second round NFL pick has basically just as much value. And so it's not the end of the world to lose, you know, this pick. Now, of course, they're only going to have back of the second round picks, Um, but, you know, you could You could trade up if you wanted to. They'll probably just trade their second round picks too. But the point is that they're not trading the number one overall pick or a top five pick even. They're trading picks that will be in the 20s, most likely, for a quarterback who has never won at the highest levels, but has also never been surrounded by, again, a great team and a great coaching staff. And so, I mean, if you're the Rams, you do this every time, because I think that I think that people look are looking at this from the wrong way. They're looking at this again like, oh, the the Lions got Goff. No, the Lions had to take on Goff. Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. Jared Goff has had flashes here and there. He can execute the Rams offense, but he is not a person who takes you to another level. I understand he went to a Super Bowl. Some guys have won Super Bowls without truly being difference makers at the position. I'm looking at you, Trent Dilfer. But There's no way for the Lions to sell this other than it was time to move on from Matt Stafford. They got three picks for doing so, and they got an interesting quarterback that they can take a look at to see if he could theoretically be part of their future. There's no way for the Lions to like sell this as we got a franchise quarterback back. Maybe they'll try to do it that way. Maybe they'll, you know, Goff is the guy, but like there's a reason that LA moved on from him this quickly. You don't trade a young star quote-unquote quarterback for an older star quarterback because that young star quarterback is so good, right? This deal was done because the Rams don't believe in Jared Goff, as we all know and have known, and they wanted to move on. And this is not to say that Goff can't be successful in Detroit. I'm not going to say that at all. I don't... (laughs) The whole Dan Campbell thing, I mean, that's... That's a whole other, I mean, that guy is, look, as far as Dan Campbell as a head coach goes, the whole rah-rah, we're going to beat you up thing, it works for a while, and sometimes it even works for a season or two, but eventually it really tends to wear on guys who have, like, family responsibilities and children. It works in college more than it does in the pros, and I just don't really... I don't see it working so well, but there is this universe where that head coach hire works and Jared Goff works for Detroit. Like like Jared Goff is not like completely dead as a starter in the NFL. This does not mean he can't be good. I'm just saying that he has been average, but his situation made him look better than he was. And again, that's why the Rams moved on. Like the Rams, again, did not move on because they were so thrilled to have Jared Goff as their quarterback of the future. They were looking to do anything that they could to replace him. So Jared Goff is young enough. We've seen plenty of guys come on later in their careers. It happens plenty of times, you know, especially in the NFL at the quarterback position. Some guys just eventually learn the game. It happens sometimes, but I'm not betting on it. 
But Detroit is the perfect place for it to happen because this is a rebuild. You know, this is a, you know, Detroit's in a whole, we're building a whole new future scenario. So from Detroit's perspective, like you do this, you do this trade a hundred times out of a hundred because Matt Stafford wanted to move on. It was clear it was time to move on. And you're getting, um, again, you get a guy who, I mean, he's under contract. You get a look at him. You know, if he's not good, you've got to move on in a few years. But no one kills you if he's not good. Like, if Jared Goff isn't good for the Lions, it really doesn't matter. Like, that's not a thing that bothers anybody. That's not a thing that's like, oh, we really missed on Jared Goff. Because, again, they're not acquiring him. They're trading Matthew Stafford away. You know what I'm saying? Like, this wasn't a move to acquire Jared Goff. This was a move to get as much assets that you could possibly get for um, for Matthew Stafford. And hell, you know, if Goff has a decent season and someone else wants to take him on, the Lions may try to trade him again in the future. Who knows? That kind of stuff typically doesn't happen in the NFL, I know. But as more and more trades occur and it becomes more of a trade-driven league, potentially, as we see more and more things like this occur, something like that could happen. But, you know, the simple fact of the matter is that, you know, the Lions... This is a great trade for the Lions, no matter really how all of this shakes out, even if the Rams win a Super Bowl with Stafford, because the Lions aren't going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. So you do this trade every single time. You acquire a couple of first-round picks. Again, even if they're back-end first-round picks, which they're most likely to be, still nice to have first-round picks. It's still good. Um you know, it's, it's, even though I, you know, I said earlier, they're not, you know, that much more valuable than the back end of a second round pick. They're not that much more valuable, but they are still more valuable. And there's still always the chance that things don't work out for the Rams and they are higher. And then of course the third round pick is just another asset and you get a look at Goff. So, I mean, as far as the Lions go, you get four assets for Matt Stafford. You could, again, you could say that it's three assets and you take on Jared Goff. I, you know, I kind of look at it that way, but it's never a bad idea to get a look at, you know, a quarterback in his mid twenties. Like, you know, there's always, there's always a possibility. Some guys turn it on a little bit later and there's just always a possibility that he becomes, you know, what they expected. You know, we love Alex Smith now as a fan base, but you know, he was not it the first few years of his career. Like he was decent in his rookie season. And then it just really wasn't happening for him. And then eventually he turned it on with San Francisco, you know, and eventually, you know, he moved on obviously, but um, he did have a couple of really good seasons in San Francisco, but it took him time to get there. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's a good look for the lions and you get more assets and now you have an opportunity to rebuild your team, which you absolutely have to do. This is the way that you handle that. So from the lions perspective, like I would give this trade an a, um, because they got two first round picks, they got a third round pick and they get a look at Jared Goff. I don't, I don't think there's any way to get to grade this trade as bad for the Lions. I don't know how they could have done any better, but the only A plus would be like if somehow they managed to, you know, if they had like convinced the Texans to swap Stafford for Watson, which I know would never happen or something because Watson's not going to go to do, but like, let's just say that happened. Like in that scenario, that's an A plus, right? Cause that's that you're literally getting a franchise quarterback, you know, in return. So that's like literally as good as it could possibly be. But in terms of this trade and what they got, I mean, it's an A because the Lions got really as much as you could hope for. You get draft picks and you got one young player at the same position who, you know, at the very least he can start for the Lions next year. And you just give him a whole year and you see what you have. And maybe the right offensive coordinator can do something. Who knows? But if not, then again, nobody kills you. And if you're bad, you get a, you know, you get a look at a top pick in the draft or, you know, you, you take another look at another option. But the, the golf thing is, is a home run for the Lions either way, even though I don't like him because either it works and you've got a really good quarterback under contract that you didn't have to pay the signing bonus to, or it doesn't work. And as a head coach and a GM, now you get to go look for your quarterback who's going to be your first official swing at a quarterback. So like the golf thing is, is a home run for the Lions because it almost delays them having to like, decide on the quarterback thing for a year now you get another year to rebuild everything else and if Jared Goff pops then great hey we're back in it and if he doesn't well this was never our guy we just acquired him in the Matthew Stafford trade and now we'll go get our guy it's a win-win for the Lions especially for their organization you do this every time I mean again the only way that they could have done any better at all is if they had gotten a package built around like a young you know stud quarterback and again that's just not Watson, you know, he wants to go to Miami 
or New York. He wants to be in, you know, one of the East Coast glamour type markets. He's already said that, or at least made that clear, you know, through his agent. By the way, Deshaun Watson's Twitter profile has for football inquiries and has his like agent's email address now. Uh, it's someone pointed that out on Twitter. I'm sorry. I don't know who it was, but unbelievable. Like for football inquiries, like that's one of the, it may have been Dove Kleiman. He's a really good independent NFL reporter. If it was him, I'm sorry. I, I'm drawing a blank on exactly who it was, but check out Dove Kleiman. He's awesome. In any case, the, for football inquiries and his agency, email, that just, that, that seriously, that kills me. Anyway. He's basically made it clear that he wants to go to one of the, you know, the big East Coast fun markets. I don't know if Miami is necessarily a big market, but it's Miami. Um, you know, I, I mean, Tua, Miami is not going to give up Tua for Matt Stafford until they have clarity on the Deshaun Watson situation, because that may be a piece that really entices, um, you know, the the Texans. Um, so, you know, there really is not. I, I mean, what I. Like, if you love Baker Mayfield, the Browns aren't giving him up after this season. Obviously, the Ravens are giving up Lamar Jackson. Like, I just, there's no young quarterback that you're getting. And as far as, you know, a lot of people, at least in here in the Phoenix market, because there's a lot of, like, you know, local radio guys who know guys in L.A. So there's a lot of, like, sort of Rams rumors here in the Phoenix markets. Um, and the local radio guys were talking about, I think it was Bickley and Murata. I try to give credit. Here's one thing. Give credit to the people that you talk about when you talk about the things that they've said. If you're discussing something that someone has said, a tweet that they said, or a radio show, just give them credit. If you don't remember every single thing, it's okay. Like, just don't steal information. That's one of the most obnoxious things in the world. I try to always credit whoever is talking. But in any case, on Bickley and Murata, they were floating a few things about, well, the Rams kind of like John Wolford and his mobility, and Aaron Rodgers is you know, more mobile, even though he's older, he can still do things. And, you know, is there some possibility that could make that trade? And the simple fact of the matter is that like the Aaron Rodgers thing was never going to happen for the Rams, no matter what rumors they tried to leak anywhere, because obviously, you know, the, the Packers already have their quarterback of the future, at least in their mind in Jordan love. So there was no world in which that was going to occur. So, you know, this move just makes sense for everyone because the Lions don't have another quarterback. And again, this just allows them to install one. It just fits. And then as far as the Rams perspective, um, from an actual team perspective, this is an upgraded quarterback and this team needed an upgraded quarterback. And so, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily Goff's fault. What happened this year, he was injured um, and they were having a pretty decent season, you know, so it's hard to you play through an injury and then you get traded. Ask Isaiah Thomas about that with the Celtics. It happens, man. And that's the uh, recent Isaiah Thomas, obviously not Pistons Isaiah Thomas. In any case, it happens. You get traded. And the Rams simply believed that they needed a better quarterback. I do think it's funny that they, you know, well, we love the mobility and blah, blah, blah. And then you go get Matt Stafford, a guy who nobody has ever referred to as mobile, but who's a very good quarterback who can read a defense, who can execute an offense, who has a cannon for an arm. Um, traditionally pretty healthy, had some injury concerns the last few years with his back. But, you know, I mean, this year seems it seems like he'll be OK. And um, obviously the Rams must have, you know, agreed to the physical because they're not going to, you know, do this trade unless they're happy with his health. So. Um, from that perspective, it seems like it's good. Matt Stafford is still 32. So he's young enough that, you know, we're seeing with Tom Brady that, you know, guys can play much longer. I'm not saying that everyone is Tom Brady, but I think it's fair to assume that Matt Stafford still has at least, let's say four seasons as an above average to very good starter in the NFL. So you're making this move basically for, you know, what would have been like, kind of like the life of Jared Goff's contract. So it's fine. Um, and you're essentially saying we think that Matt Stafford gives us more chances over the next four years than Jared Goff does. And I think that you're right about that. Um, you know, for Stafford, this is going to be great for him because this is going to he's not going to have to do everything. You know, this is a guy who's had to carry the Lions, who had to make plays with his arm, who had to carry teams 
um, you know, back from being behind all the time or had to watch his team constantly blow leads. You know, he's just been in a bad organization. And now you're going to be with a team that has a better recent history of winning, a smart offensive coach. And I think they're going to be able to utilize his skill sets really well. Now, is this a Super Bowl team? I was really low on the Rams going into last season. We're going to have to obviously see how the entire offseason shakes out and how the financials work on this exactly. Um, But this certainly moves the Rams closer to a Super Bowl. Like, I would not be shocked in any way if this Rams team made an NFC championship next year. I'd be shocked if they won the Super Bowl or made it to a Super Bowl. But as far as an NFC championship game, I think that's a really reasonable outcome for that team. And I don't think that Jared Goff really has you in that discussion. And so the thing is, Anytime that you make it to a conference championship, you are obviously a Super Bowl contender. You're a legit contender. There's no discussion about that because you had to at least beat one to two very good teams to get there, right? There's no, I don't think there are fluke conference championship teams, really. I know that there are crazy games that go one way and, you know, the very good team that's expected to win, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you make it to a conference championship, you're a very good football team. And I think that this basically puts the Rams in that scenario where you say, hey, you know, we've got a 25% chance of winning the title. We're here, you know, two more wins and we win it. And I think that's really what you're looking for when, you know, again, unless you have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, the guys who are just on that next, next, next level, you know, you've got to just be in the hunt and do the best you can, you know? That's why it's so crazy that the Texans have been so bad because Deshaun Watson is on, you know, the maybe just right below the, you know, he doesn't have the wins of some of those other guys, but Deshaun Watson is awesome. And, you know, the Texans organization is just so horrendous that they have ruined so much of his career. But, you know, Stafford is good enough to just put you in that discussion. You're right there. You're in a conference championship game or you're in a divisional game. You're in the hunt. And I think that's the biggest thing for the Rams is that they didn't feel like they were truly in the hunt with Jared Goff. Even if he had been healthy, I think they felt like, you know, he has his limitations. He has a ceiling that they have seen. And, you know, that Super Bowl, that Super Bowl really showed that Jared Goff is not a person who can truly read a defense, who can truly make elite adjustments, who can change the game and manipulate the safeties. And he's not a primetime quarterback. That Super Bowl showed that. And the thing is, you have the opportunity when you go out and, you know, ostensibly fail on a big stage like that, you have the opportunity to go out and improve and change that perception of yourself and show that you can be that guy. And he really hasn't been able to do that at all. The Rams have really only gotten worse. And so they're, you know, they've spent so much on acquiring Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, they're just, they're in perpetual win now mode and they haven't quite gotten there, but you know, the whole, well, Matt Stafford's 32 again, they won't care. They won't care about any of this. If they get one Super Bowl win, that's all that matters. One Super Bowl win you know, you're legitimized basically forever. That is, that's just truly what it is in the NFL. When you win a Super Bowl, people stop questioning you. You know, John Harbaugh has one Super Bowl ring and is regarded like one of the great coaches in all time. You know, like some people think he's one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game. He's got one Super Bowl ring. It doesn't matter. He's got the ring. And so that ultimately is, you know, what it comes back to is, you know, if the Rams are able to get over the top, if they can reach the one place they've been dying to reach, then every single thing they've given up will be worth it to them. And Matt Stafford puts you in that place because the thing is, Matt Stafford is a guy who can throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and can just lead an unstoppable offense. If you put him in the right room with the right people, you know, the sky's the limit. He has all of the talent in the world. Even to this day, he's still one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Does he always make the greatest decisions? No. Does a career having to carry your team on your back and losing your best receiver of all time early because he hates the organization, do those things wear on you and make it difficult to always make the right decision? Yes. And I think that, you know, you're in Los Angeles. You know, it's it's hard to not be 
you know, rejuvenated. You know, you're going to get calls from LeBron. You're going to hang out with LeBron at a at a Dodgers game. You know, you're going to hang out with Mookie Betts at a Lakers game. You know, it's just you're going to be, well, maybe not. Matt Stafford has a, his wife has a pretty troublesome history of posting MAGA bullshit on the internet. So maybe not. But the point is, nonetheless, you're going to be the quarterback of an L.A. team and you're going to be embraced as a Hollywood guy. And, you know, there's a lot to that. And that's invigorating. And if suddenly you have a better organization that's willing to listen to you and just paid so much to acquire you, you know, you kind of get to come into the room and be the big dog. And, you know, not that he necessarily has, you know, the best winning history, but there's no question who is going to be, you know, I know this is a little like cliched or whatever, but it's going to be Matt Stafford's team. Like it's going to be. You know, he's going to have the cachet to say and do what he needs to. You know, if he needs to yell at a guy or tell someone they ran a wrong route or, you know, get in the face of a lineman, you know, he's going to be able to do that because he's going to be, you know, the, the, the big guy. And so it makes sense from that perspective that, you, you know, again, the Rams, you're bringing in a veteran. He puts you in the top tier discussion. He gets a little reinvigorated by the atmosphere and the weapons. The young guys certainly maybe trust him a little more because they know the talent that he has and maybe they were kind of sick of golf and they were sick of the questions and now there's no question. Um, you know, there's a lot to it. So I, I think it works. I think you do it. Um, you know, as far as the first round picks go, like it's reasonable to say, man, the Rams keep giving up too many picks. But, you know, again, this is it's very simple to judge the Rams. Like, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and say that championships are literally the only thing that matters because a lot of people put a lot of work in and, you know, guys who are all pro and pro, you know, people deserve, you know, nods for what they do. But my point is that the Rams structure of giving up the future over and over and paying everyone and doing every single thing they can and going in all in every single moment indicates that literally the only thing they care about is winning a championship. That's the only thing that matters to them is winning a championship. And so it's very simple to judge what the Rams have done here. And you can't do it right now. And you'll simply have to do it, you know, five years from now. And that question will be, did they win one or more Super Bowls? And if the answer is yes, then this was a successful move. And if the answer is no, then it wasn't. And I know that it's really sort of simplistic and reductive. But when you play the game the way the Rams are playing it, all or nothing, then the answer is all or nothing. That's that's really what it that's what it's reduced to. There's no other way to look at it when you when you when you do what less need and and Sean McVay and and you know the Cronkies are doing. When you say, hey, this is how we do it, then there you go. And so, you know, I again I think you do it because it puts you in that position. And I'm basically of I'm I'm not a championship or bust person. Like I can see the merit in really good seasons for a lot of teams, but like, you know, if you ask me how I felt about this Buccaneers season, my answer is, you know, it's we need to win the Super Bowl right now. And, you know, I think that when it comes down to it, you know, we all we can all say whatever, but when you look yourself in the mirror, especially when you're a football organization, you wanna be holding the trophy. And this gives them the opportunity to be in the discussion to do that. It doesn't put them at the forefront of it. Matt Stafford has never, um, you know, Matt Stafford hasn't won enough to say, you know, this makes the Rams a front runner. I, I don't think that at all. But this is enough of an upgrade. Like I'm looking at Twitter and a lot of people are, wow, that's a lot to give up. And, you know, I understand that. But I think that when you understand Goff's limitations and you understand the Rams limitations for upgrading that position and you understand the value of those first round picks and how little value they have to a team that really has no intention of developing youngsters right now and simply wants to win a Super Bowl and then reevaluate the situation. You have to make this move. So, I mean, for the Rams, I give it like a B plus, um, you know, it would have been an A if, you know, they could have. Um, only done like one first round pick or something, but I, I still think it's a really good trade. Um, you know, I guess it's an A, A minus B plus. I don't know. It's a good trade for both teams. This is one of those rare trades that I think everyone gets something of value. I don't know that anyone necessarily won this trade. 
um, at least today. There's not a clear winner. There will be a winner. Like five years from now, there'll probably be, you know, an obvious winner. But I think this is one of those trades that has the benef- the potential to benefit both teams very strongly. So I like it. I'm glad that it happened. And it's going to be very interesting to see Sean McVay, um, you know, not necessarily having to tell his quarterback what to do every single time and having a guy that he can trust out there to let it fly. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch Matt Stafford, you know, in the Rams play action offense, you know, heaving the ball downfield um, to, you know, Cooper Cup. That stuff will be fun. It really will. So I, I think it's a good trade and um, I'm excited to see what happens for the Rams. And this just makes the NFC West. I mean, depending on what happens with the 49ers, uh, I mean, what a division, you know, Stafford, Kyler Murray, um, you've got, um, uh, Russell Wilson, my God, <laughs> can you, can you believe I, wow, that's, that's terrible. And, uh, I mean, Garoppolo's there now, but I don't think he will be with the 49ers next season, but you better believe the 49ers are going to make a move. There's no way that the 49ers are just going to let this division pass them by with the Rams picking up Stafford. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens what decision the 49ers make on their quarterback front. And it's going to be fun to watch these teams duke it out next year. The NFC West will be a bloodbath. um, And it's going to be really hard to predict next year. We'll have to take a look after the offseason, which I will do. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we end here, um, and that was Nick Sriani's first press conference as head coach of the Eagles, which was... mm, I don't know if it was an unmitigated disaster, but (laughs) I mean, the dude was not prepared. He seemed very ill-prepared or, you know, very nervous. Maybe. I don't know if he's nervous and he has a stutter, then no big deal. Like I don't, you know, I don't really think, you know, there's no problem with that. Then I, then I retract everything. I'm not trying to slam someone who has anxiety issues or has a stutter or anything like that, but that's not you know, I haven't heard anything like that. This dude looked woefully ill-prepared for a press conference as head coach. And the thing is, if you can't handle the knock that you were woefully ill-prepared for, you know, this press conference, then I don't know how you're going to survive as a head coach in Philadelphia. Like some people were trying to trash me on Twitter for pointing out that this dude was unprepared. They're like, you don't know about his anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'm a person with anxiety. And if I had a head coaching job in the NFL, I would expect that people were going to drag me if I couldn't get through a press conference. That's just sort of how it goes. And not only that, on top of, you know, not being able to read the notes that he wrote down for himself, he literally, like the things he was saying, he said like that he wanted to have a strategy that was easy for his players, but difficult for the defense because talent takes over when the strategy is easy. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of when it comes to the NFL. The idea that, well, we'll just run the ball and then we'll throw the ball. And you guys, with your talent, it's not how the NFL works, especially not today. This is not 1953 where you just need to hand the ball to your best player and get the hell out of the way. That's not what's going on here. That's that's an absolutely ludicrous statement. And I don't know if that's what he was intending to say, but again, Eric Bieniemy is available. A guy who is one of the foremost minds in the NFL and you hire someone who says he wants to put in easy offensive strategies. Like I just don't understand. I just don't understand the Texans hires some dude that all of us are like, huh? And then when you look him up, everyone's like, oh, he's a good dude. That's not what you want to hear about a coach. Like, well, he's a good guy. Great. It's absolutely fantastic. I hope he'll see him at the soup kitchen on Sunday. Like, that's not what I'm looking for in a head coach. I'm looking for like an actual head coach, an X's and O's genius, or an incredible motivator, or someone who knows everything about the game, or just whatever, not a phenomenal family, man. It's great. Let him babysit. Like, I just don't know what to say about this stuff anymore. When you have one of the foremost minds and he can't get a job year after year. And then you see these other parade of clowns get hired for whatever the hell reason. It just, it's, it's an embarrassment and it's just an embarrassment. It's just an embarrassment. I don't really know what else to say about it. Like it's, it's, it's sad to me that a young bright coordinator can't get a job and other guys who are less qualified continue to get jobs over. It's just, it's fucking confounding. It just, it's, 
for whatever reason, whatever good old boys club, whatever racist, whatever, I, I don't, it's, I just don't, it's absolute nonsense. It's absolute nonsense and it's frustrating and it just, it makes me mad. I just, if, if I had a team, if I was, if I, let's say I lucked into $2 billion tomorrow through a, you know, whatever I inherited money or something. The first thing I would be doing if I was turning that team around would be hiring Eric Bieniemy. That would be job number one. Get the brightest offensive mind in the NFL and let him come in here and let's change the game. Let's do something new that other people aren't thinking about. Let's pull out your deep playbook and let's build an offense around it. And it just nobody wants to do that. And I just, you know, what's going on with the Texans is essentially criminal, man. Like that is an organization that had all the talent in the world, and they essentially surrendered it to uh, Team Chaplin. It just, it's, it's it's an absolute joke, and Cal McNair should be banished from the NFL. Um, but the Texans for now are just going to be a quadruple-A team that, you know, farms players for other organizations. That's what they're going to do, because they don't seem to be able to actually put a team together and don't seem to have, for all this, like, well, Jack Easterby is such a good man and everyone loves him. And so blah, blah, blah. He sure can't build a team, but he sure can't turn one down, tear one down really quickly. And, you know, the Texans can can go in public and say that they intend to keep Deshaun Watson all they want to. And, you know, he he want, he's going to, you know, David Culley said in his introductory press press conference, he's going to be a Texan. No, he's not, man. Like, just just stop with the bullshit. And. The Texans can't stop with the bullshit, not only to us, but to their own players. They lie to their players. It's one thing when you lie to me. I'm a random dude on the internet who fucking cares about me, but you lie to your fans. And they're never going to tolerate that. And, you know, the Eagles, you know, it's it's the same thing. We're going to do everything we can to fix the Carson Wentz situation, except hire the brightest mind in the NFL. The one guy, I don't care that he has Pat Mahomes. Like, Pat Mahomes is not a guy who, nobody can just walk into any situation and win. There, there's always coaching involved. There, there's, there's, there's coaching, there's talent around you, there's the organization, there's a million things that go into this. And Carson Wentz sucks, but if anyone could fix him, it's Eric Bieniemy. And if anyone has made Pat Mahomes even better than he is and has helped him go to a new level, it's Eric Bieniemy. Pat Mahomes didn't win in college. Like for all of this, like, well, he's just so talented that but he didn't win in college. And guess whose coach was? Cliff Kingsbury. And so it just, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's not winning in the NFL. Coaching matters, especially in this league. I still think that Tom Brady matters more than coaching in terms of the Patriots, but coaching makes you worse or makes you better. It either raises your ceiling or lowers your floor or, you know, however you want to invert that. The point is that coaching makes you better or makes you worse. And Eric Bieniemy has taken Pat Mahomes and has accentuated every single thing he does well and built an offense around his phenomenal arm talent and his, you know, at times questionable decision making. Like Pat Mahomes is an unbelievable quarterback, but he doesn't always make the best decisions. He had so many dropped interceptions this year. And that's not to say he makes bad decisions or that he's not a good quarterback. I'm just saying that the Chiefs minimize those mistakes by building an offense that lets him be him. You don't want that for Carson Wentz? You want the guy who had Phillip Rivers and an okay offense? Like, just, I don't understand. Like, what did Nick Sriani do with Indianapolis that was so revolutionary that the Eagles just had to have it? And I understand that like some dudes can blow away an interview or something, but I just don't. Sometimes you need to actually look at what goes on. And I don't even know if the Eagles interviewed the enemy. I think that they didn't. And it just, it pisses me off. And that's the first thing I would be fucking trying to do if I had an NFL team right now is hire Eric the enemy. And then the second thing would be trade for Deshaun Watson. And the Texans can't do anything right. And that makes me sad because I have friends who are Texans fans and the Eagles can't do anything right. And that makes me happy because I fucking hate the Eagles. But it's just another day in the NFL. And the Eagles, I think, made a mistake with their hiring. Everyone made a mistake not hiring Eric Bieniemy, And whoever does hire him better be next year. They are going to be so thrilled 
that everyone else was stupid enough not to be hiring them. And in some cases, they'll be kicking themselves for not having hired himself soon, for not having hired him sooner. But that's how it goes. And that's what it is. And that is the Blunt Doctor Show. The emergency Matt Stafford trade podcast. It's done. It happened. It's exciting. And we will talk more in the coming days about basketball and about the upcoming Super Bowl. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Win it for Bruce Arians. Win it for Derek. Heartbreaking story I read on Twitter uh, of a kid who committed suicide last year. Was a diehard Tom Brady fan. And by the way, on that note, if you're feeling depression, if you're feeling suicidal, reach out to someone. We've all been through those moments. We've all had that depth. Don't let that overcome you. Just reach out. You feel completely alone and you feel like there's nothing that anyone could say. And you know that feeling I'm talking about. And just sometimes, honestly, you're wrong. Like sometimes just talking and hanging out with someone and watching a show and just chilling. It just makes things better. And I know that the people who have been there for me in my worst moments didn't always have the best thing to say or didn't have some magic cure-all. They were just there. And so when you feel those feelings, just reach out to someone because there's someone who cares. You could reach out to me. I've said that shit before. I've had strangers like DM me stuff about that before. I don't care. When you need help, reach out for help. It seems so simplistic to say, but it's the most difficult thing to do in the moment is ask for help. That's the Blood Doctor Show. Peace to you and yours. Enjoy 2021. Enjoy this week in the build-up to the Super Bowl. Find something to make you happy and chase it. That's all life is, baby.